Um, we've been doing a series this Advent talking about the promise of the gospel and the prophecy of the gospel. Last week, uh, Kyle covered the purpose of the gospel, and this morning, uh, I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 as we reflect on the proclamation of the gospel. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? I'm going to read verses 8 through 18 in Luke's gospel. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the good news of a Savior who is Christ the Lord being born to us and who grew into a man who ministered among us, who gave his life for us, who rose from the dead for us, who reigns right now for us, and who we worship. And we pray that you would bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Uh, so this is a familiar passage, I think, I think probably to all of us, even if, even if church is really not your thing, right? You're, you're here with some family and you're like, okay, you know, I can, I can, I can go along. Um, but, but we know this passage because it's so familiar to us and it's even worked its way into uh, our, our Christmas culture, um, the, the Christmas specials, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas special and, and little Linus helping poor, distraught Charlie Brown figure out what Christmas is really all about, right? So, so if you've forgotten the scene, here's Linus announcing to, to poor Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is all about, right? Uh, and we love this scene because there's sort of this, this little inflection, this little thing in Linus's voice, the glory of the Lord. I don't know, it's kind of guttural or something's going on there. Um, well, well, we had an interesting experience this past week. We went down to visit... Uh, Michael, who's working at Disney, he's at the Magic Kingdom, he's a skipper on the Jungle Cruise. Uh, so, you know, he goes and does these safaris through the jungle all day long, risks life and limb to take these poor hapless guests uh, to see wild animals and headhunters and so on. Um, so as we're, as we're doing Disney and doing a little pre-Christmas with him, uh, we did make it to Epcot, and they had a candlelight procession, uh, little seasonal thing that they did. 
and they have a living Christmas tree and people singing and, and, and so on. And every couple of days, they alternate the guest reader uh, who would read the Christmas story, read, read the passages from the, uh, the, the Gospels and about the Nativity. And so when we were there, we got to hear Pat Sajak Talk about the glory of the Lord shown all a, a, around them. Um, it was an interesting, you know, mashup of worlds, too, because interestingly, uh, Lydia's band teacher, Mr. Sackett, had just been on the air. I don't know if you watch Wheel of Fortune, but on Wednesday night, Wilson Middle School's band teacher won Wheel of Fortune. Came away with fabulous gifts and prizes. Uh, so it was just a strange week for us with, 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 with Pat Sajak. Um, our, our, worlds, our worlds collided. But, um, so, so this is a very familiar passage to many, many people, certainly to the, uh, those who were there with us in the rain, the cold, listening to Pat Sajak talk about the, uh, uh, the glory of the Lord shining all around them. Uh, let, let, let's talk about good news of great joy, right? So, so the angels are pronouncing good, good news, um, but... Uh, good news is tricky. Uh, good news is, is sort of like a, a, a two-sided coin. It's good for some, but, but not always good for everybody. Most of the news that we hear, if it's good for, for you, maybe, um, maybe you did well in the, in the stock market. You know, if the stock market goes up, that's good news for you. Uh, if, if you're holding long, it's bad news for those who were betting short um, and vice versa. If stock markets goes down, it's good for those who are betting short. And it's not so great for those who are holding long, uh, for your retirement uh, portfolios, et cetera. Uh, what about government shutdowns? Hey, good news for maybe those who didn't have any vacation uh, plan. They weren't going to be able to be with family. They get to have uh, Christmas at home now if they're a government employee. But not great news if you were planning on doing the, the museums at D.C. over Christmas and you'd made the trip to see your family. You're going to do the Smithsonian and maybe you know, a couple of monuments or whatever. Sorry, you know, those are closed. Um, good news if there's a snow day for kids, they don't have to go to school and so on, but what do the parents do? Man, we got to work, and now what do we do with, you know, little Johnny and Joey and, and so on? So that's kind of how good news works. It's like good for some, but, but, but not, not for all. Um, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if good news wasn't a, a two-sided coin? Wouldn't it be great if there was good news that really was good for all, like when we find a cure for cancer? Won't that be good news for everybody? And when we find a cure for Alzheimer's, won't it be good news for everybody? When, we, when there's no more war, when there's no more terrorism, that'll be good news for everybody. And it's rare that we get that kind of news where indiscriminately it's good for all. And, and, and that's exactly what you have the angels announcing to the shepherds. The angel said to the shepherds in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? <clears throat> All the people. All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this really gels with the rest of, of what you know, God's proclaiming in all the Gospels, right? So we're in Luke right now. If you Turn to another familiar passage, John chapter 3, you hear the same thing, the same refrain of good news for everybody. 
where John tells us that God so loved the world, right? Um, so the world here is everybody, uh, even, even the, the, the sort of shady folks, you know, right? Like, why would God love even those who aren't so lovable? Uh, God only loves good people, right? Well, no, not according to John chapter 3. He even loves the world in all of its sin, in all of its mess, in all of its brokenness and crookedness. God loves that world, and, and he loved that world so much that he gave his only son. You know how the rest of it goes, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, that verse continues, John 3 continues, and it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it, but to save the world through him. All right? So that sounds like good news for everybody, for the whole world, to, that God's offering to save the world. And, and yet, um, even mysteriously, even universally good news that God intends for all the people can find opposition. And this is what's strange. Um, if you're still in Luke chapter 2, uh, so later on, after the shepherds appear and they visit, uh, eight days after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph take him to Jerusalem to, to have him circumcised. This is according to the law, that the law would be fulfilled. And they have this really remarkable encounter with a man named Simeon, a prophet. Uh, and, and Simeon sees Joseph and Mary coming with the baby. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed wait a minute, this is supposed to be good news for all the people. And yet, eight days later, right, you're hearing about how this is going to be a sign, Jesus will be a sign that is opposed. And I suppose you can chalk it up to, you know, haters, haters going to hate, That's re that regardless. They can find the best news and they're still going to hate it. But, but we have to ask further, like, why? why? Why would these people oppose this sign? Why would they hate the coming of Jesus? Why would people think that God sending his son to save us would be bad news? Well, back to John chapter 3, John continues, and he says, Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, right? They're already condemned. We are, apart from Jesus, already guilty and rebellious and betrayed our Creator and doing our own thing instead of doing His thing, living in His kingdom. We were promoting our own kingdom. That, that, when, when that happens on earth, we call that war. <laughs> um, and that's the same reality uh, between us and heaven. If we're doing our own kingdom and not God's kingdom, that means we're at war with God. And that means that they're already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Lights come into the world. Jesus comes into the world. Good news for all the people. But people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And that's why there's still opposition, even to news that is 
for all the people. Good news, wonderful news, great news of a great joy can still be opposed because people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And then, you know, we're all here in church. Probably most of you are thinking, you know, yeah, this is my thing. This is, I, I, I love Jesus. I'm a disciple. Of course I'm here in church. Of course, you know, especially it's Christmas, whatever. And these terrible people who hate darkness, whose works are evil, gosh, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> right? That's, that can be our default attitude. Uh, so let's look more at this because what we're told, what, what the angel pronounces is that for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, who would oppose that, right? Well, those who love darkness because their works are evil. Well, this is the news of a Savior, the good news that God gives us a Savior, uh, and that the good news that because there's a Savior, that must mean we need salvation. Because there's sin, that must mean we need forgiveness and, and so on. And so when, um, when we were at Epcot, uh, listening to the, the Christmas story and the nativity and Pat Sajak. <laughs> um, I'm sure this is the same thing, you know, every year. They, they carefully, you know, arrange these readings from the Gospels to make them appealing to, you know, to the majority who, who are there. And so when, when they got to uh, Matthew chapter 1 and the angel Gabriel appearing to Joseph, here, here's what Here's what we heard from Pat Sajak. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary home as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And they moved on to the next song. And, and we go, okay. That's certainly true, and that's certainly right out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Um, and they, they decided to name him Jesus. Good, good for them. Well, um, here's, another, here's a little parallel. Uh, we've had an eventful week. We, we drove down to Orlando, spent time with Michael, a little pre-Christmas Christmas, drove back on Friday, and then drove up to Northern Virginia to Kathy's sister's house, whose neighbor is a foster uh, family for rescue dogs, res- rescue uh, Labradoodles. And uh, we, we were able, we were chosen to adopt this, this rescue dog. Uh, we have a new addition to the Daly family. He's, he's six months old. Um, he's a black, really black with sort of little um, uh, gray wisps in, in, his, in his fur. Uh, and he's a, a black Labradoodle. And we haven't, well, we haven't quite decided what to name him. Uh, he came with the name Larry. Uh, Larry, Larry the Labradoodle. Uh, and and it, I like it. It, it works. Uh, we're sorting on, but we do want to keep Larry. We have our, our um, first dog is Charlie, Charlie the Cavachon, and Larry the Labradoodle. It seems to have some, some assonance and uh, poetry there. Uh, but we're, we're, we're playing with Skipper, you know, sort of in honor of Michael being, being a, a Skipper. Maybe Skip, my dog Skip. Remember that book, that movie or whatever? I don't know. We're trying to come up with names, right? We need a name for this dog, and uh, the jury is, is still out. I suppose if you've got a, uh, a suggestion, we could use some help. Um, but is, was this the scene for Joseph and Mary? Were they looking through, like, the, the going online, baby names? Or finding that book with the ten... 
10 most popular first century Israeli boy names, baby boy names. Um, I like Jesus. Let's do Jesus. Why did, why did they name him Jesus? How does the rest of Matthew 1 verse 20 go? And they named him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Old Testament name Joshua, right? Yahweh saves. God saves. What does he save us from? He saves us from our sins. And this is where the world is really cruel. This world that, that, that tells us that we need to be so affirming of every viewpoint and every perspective and you know we don't want to give offense and we don't want to read the rest of verse 20 in Matthew 1 at the Epcot candlelight Christmas procession because we don't want to offend people by talking about sin. We don't want to offend people by suggesting the possibility that you might need salvation from your sins. You might need that Jesus, not just the, the nice cute Jesus that goes in the manger, but the Jesus who God sent into the world to save the world from our sins, the Jesus who would, who would grow to be a man who would lay down his life, he would die on a cross as, as a sin offering in my place, right? To take my sin guilt away and to take the guilt of all who trust in him away, to take that shame away, to take that guilt away, to take those sins away. And the world is actually very cruel when it refuses to talk about sin because sin is what's wrong with us at our core and sin is why we, we're so messed up relationally. Sin is why we're so messed up internally. Like everything goes back to that. Sin is why this world is broken. Sin is why you're broken. Sin is why I'm broken. And we need a remedy for sin and we need forgiveness. And a world which refuses to talk about sin, a world which silences and muzzles any discussion at all about sin or the need for a Savior is actually performing a cruelty because it locks us out and it shuts the door to a real solution to why we're so messed up as a people and why we continue to fight and why we continue to have war and terrorism. Even sickness and disease is going to be rid when Jesus comes back and rids the world of the curse, finally and forever, when sin is gone and when there is joy to the world as far as the curse is found. That's why Jesus came. That's why it's good news that today in the city of David, a Savior is born, and that's good news. It's also good news that he's a Christ, right? There's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's talk about what that means. What is it? Is is Jesus Christ? Is that is Christ just his last name? Like Joseph and Mary Christ had baby Jesus Christ. Is that how that works? No, Christ. If you're new to the church, new to the Bible, or if you've been around for a while, you never thought. I don't know what that means. Well, it's a title, and it's uh, it goes back to the Old Testament word for Messiah, uh, which means God's anointed one. Uh, So this is a special person whom God has set apart, who God has anointed maybe as a king, maybe as a prophet, maybe as a priest. And in Jesus, you get all three. Uh, And and Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God. Um, And in chapter 2, verse 26, if you've still got Luke chapter 2 open, you can see how, how Simeon 
was talking about how the Holy, he was, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the Christ is somebody who the Lord has set apart for a special purpose. And Jesus gives us a clue as to what that purpose is. When he is the Christ, he, is, he has this title over him as the one the Lord is sending into the world for a special purpose. And when Jesus began his ministry, when he grew up and was an adult, he goes into the synagogue, uh, the, the rabbi uh, hands him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus unrolls the scroll, and he gets to the place that we refer to in our Bibles as chapter 61 in Isaiah. They didn't have chapters and verses back then. Uh, but he gets to the place in the scroll of Isaiah the prophet where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's made me the Christ to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is good news. To all who are blind, that is good news. To those who are oppressed, that is good news. To those who feel captive, that is good news. To those who feel their poverty, that is good news. But it's, it's not good news if you feel perfectly self-fulfilled. And it's not good news if you're trying to convince yourself that you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. You can do this. You've got what it takes to make life work. You, you, you're on the winning side. No, actually, the gospel is for those who need help and who want it. Just like the gospel is for those who know that they're sinners and need forgiveness. Truly, that's all the people, because all the people are sinners, and all the people are in bondage to sin, and are poor in spirit, and, you know, need help, but not everybody recognizes it. Not everybody wants to admit that they're a sinner. Not everybody wants to admit that they're captive to their own will and their own devices, that they're poor, and they need help. But indeed, this, this is good news to those of us who say, yes, that is me. I need help. I need a Savior. I need a Christ. I need a Messiah who will liberate me and who would give me good news. And that's why, you know, when we sing um, the, the very last song of that candlelight procession, I loved it. The, the last hymn was from Handel's Messiah. It was the Hallelujah Chorus. And we're all sitting there and we're cold. We've been sitting there for 45 minutes or so and the rain's been falling and so we're just sort of shivering and getting through this until that last hymn. And then, and then they start singing hallelujah and a few people know what to do. They know the drill. Not everybody knows. Most people didn't know. But when, you, when they get to the hallelujah course, what does everybody do when you're at a performance of the hallelujah? You stand. The whole place stood up. Everybody stood in the cold, in the rain, singing hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And these are people from all over the world. All, you know, who knows what they believe, what they think is true about God and about themselves, but they're all singing hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And they're on their feet and they're standing in honor of the Christ who brings us good news. That's not all. He's a Savior, He's a Christ, and He's Lord. Good news that he is the Lord, the Lord God omnipotent, right? Like the highest heavens cannot contain him. He's sovereign, he's 
He's eternal. He's unchangeable. He's infinite. He's omniscient, omnipotent. All those, you know, words that we try to figure God out with but are still not sufficient to describe him adequately. This Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, this Lord came to us. This is the Lord that the angels pronounced and said, glory to God in the highest, right? That God, that Lord, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That Lord God in the highest has come down to proclaim and to offer peace on this earth, to give us on this earth his peace. His peace is extended to you. Who is he pleased with? Who is God pleased with? Who receives his peace? Well, isn't it sort of self-evident? His peace and his pleasure is extended to all who rejoice at this news. Who would say yay to the news of a Savior? Who would say amen to the news of a Christ? Who would say hallelujah to the news of a Lord? That's who he is pleased with. And is, and is that your response to this Christ, to this, this Lord, to this Savior? Have you said yes to him? Do you know your need for salvation, for forgiveness? Do you know your spiritual poverty? And you, do you know your need for the riches that only God can truly give to you? The, the bankruptcy of all the glistening things that this world offers you. Can you see the fallacy that this world is compared to the true riches that God gives us? And can you see the good news that God would come down to love you? To love you. Now, there's something else that I want you to see about who God is pleased with, because I don't think we always recognize this. We're sort of, there's, there's, a, there's a stereotype within the church, and especially if you're, um, if you're visiting and you're sort of not, this isn't your thing, like church is something that maybe you gave up on, or you, you've sort of said, well, I don't, I don't do that, because, and um, I think this is a stereotype, and I'm, I'm hopefully about to show you why, but I used to believe this. I, I used to think that church was for people who just sort of needed a crutch, uh, or that church was for people that really weren't, I mean, this, this, I was demonstrating my arrogance. I just thought church was for people that really weren't that, very, weren't that intellectual, who sort of were, were naive, who uh, were willing to take a blind leap, right? Isn't that sort of the stereotype? And yeah, I want you to see that God is pleased with these shepherds for something kind of interesting. The reaction of the shepherds in verse 15 is that when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, right? They didn't waste any time. They went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds are great. They want to see for themselves. Like they're practicing the, the old proverb. It's a Russian proverb, not from Proverbs. But the old Russian proverb, trust but verify. They want to see for themselves. They, th here's what they did not do. They did not have this incredible encounter with the glory of heaven, you know, appearing to them and the, the angelic voices. And they all turned after the angels went away and said, wow, wasn't that interesting? 
maybe we should sit around this campfire a little longer and ponder the theological principle that was just expounded to us. They were not living strictly in the world of ideas. Ideas are incredibly important. And ideas have life and death consequences. But I want you to know that Christianity is not an idea. It's news. It's good news. It's news of factual events and people and places that actually took place. Some think that, you know, as we've said, that Christianity calls for this, this blind leap of faith, and they're under this impression, therefore, that Christianity is really for kind of gullible, anti-intellectual people, simple people. Um, well, in fact, it's for the opposite kind of person. Uh, it's not the kind of faith that you see in the Bible. Instead, in the Bible, you see people who want to verify what God is saying, because God is talking about actual events and actual people and actual places. And Jesus, yes, he calls us to walk by faith, but he calls us to walk by a faith that's based on facts, that's based on news, right? Not ideas, but news. And that's what news is. It's about people and places and things and events. And the fact is, the news is that Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago in Palestine. And the fact is, or the news is, is that this same Jesus grew up and he became a man, and he had a, a, a public ministry that his followers recorded in historical documents that have been under incredible scrutiny for 2,000 years and have been found to be more reliable than the Iliad from Homer or from uh, any of the other ancient writings from Rome or Greece or whatever that we pour over and laud in our museums. Uh, this same Jesus, it's a fact and it's news that he was nailed to a cross. He died that way. And you don't have to, like, all right, here's the other piece, right? Oh, well, sure, his followers wrote all this down, but weren't they biased? Isn't this sort of propaganda? Um, well, we don't have to just rely on the followers of Jesus. You had a Jewish historian named Josephus who verified Jesus' actual historical existence and he had followers, and then he founded a movement. You have Romans, um, guys like uh, Pliny the Younger, and guys like Tacitus, who was a Roman senator, and who recorded, uh, he talked about the burning of Rome, and how Nero blamed the Christians. He, they were, the Christians became the scapegoat for the six-day fire that destroyed Rome. And in Tacitus's history, his annals, his, um, I don't know, his history of Rome, talks about the Roman fire and how Jesus was subject to the worst punishment, speaking of crucifixion, because even the Romans, it was so terrible, they wouldn't even mention it. And he mentions Pontius Pilate, historical people. Right? And that's a, those are Roman historians, not followers of Jesus. It's not propaganda. This is news, and it's factual. And it's factual that Jesus rose from the dead. And I find it really, really interesting that people have been trying for years and years and years, centuries, to come away with a, a satisfying explanation for how Jesus did not actually rise from the dead. How he, you know, maybe was mostly dead, you know, and Miracle Max intervened. Or that somehow the disciples stole the body and, and, and so on and so on. But isn't it interesting? Two things happen, all right? So historically, you've got Jewish and 
And, and Roman historians, they weren't saying that Jesus didn't exist. They were affirming his existence. They didn't agree with the implications of his life and his death and his resurrection, but they didn't deny his existence. You can even read about Jesus in the Quran. Nobody's saying, oh, he didn't exist or he wasn't real. No, instead, you've got the, the reality of these disciples who all claim that Jesus rose from the dead and they were willing to lose their reputations. They were willing to lose their property. They were willing to have their families and friends reject them. They were willing to undergo punishments. They were even willing to lay down their own lives because they believed in the good news, the facts of the gospel. People don't do that for a lie. These were Jesus' contemporaries. Ten of the eleven apostles, excluding Judas, ten of the eleven apostles died as martyrs. John is the only one that we know of that died from old age. Why would, these, why would these 10 men lay down their lives for a lie? They were convinced by the news and the facts of Jesus. I think it's really ironic, and I want you to think about this. If, if you're maybe not sure what you believe about Jesus, and maybe you've sort of thought that Christianity had this blind leap of faith ingredient, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, that's what you've got to be this, you know, willing to just totally chuck all reason and logic. No, look, I think it's sort of ironic that everybody walks by faith. Even those who reject Jesus and say, no, he's not real, they're believing that for some reasons. They've got some rationale for that that ultimately comes down to a choice, a choice of faith. Either you're going to believe or you're not going to believe. But they don't have any evidence, really. They've just sort of decided that the resurrection's impossible. It can't have happened. They don't have any evidence to refute that. But they're willing to believe it based on Maybe a little bit of blind faith. The gospel is actually this call. The shepherd is this wonderful example to come and see. Let's go. Let's go see. Let's go verify. The gospel is this invitation to actually have less faith than you would have if you're going to just kind of do life on your own, if you think you've got God and eternity figured out in your own mind by your own wisdom. That takes a lot of faith. And the gospel is this call to have less faith Believe in these facts about a man who lived, who was born, who lived, who died, who, who's raised and reigns right now. So don't ever think that Christianity is based on blind faith. We do walk by faith, don't, no doubt. We weren't there. We have to take it on you know, the word of these, these um, historical accounts and this evidence, but everybody's walking by faith. What's your faith based on? What evidence, what news do you have rather than just ideas? You and I have evidence, and we need to verify this. We need to go to Joseph and Mary and the baby lying in a manger and see it for ourselves. We need to go uh, to the cross and see Jesus, the Savior who died for our sins. We need to go to an empty tomb and see the Lord's anointed, the Christ, whom death could not hold, raised for our justification so that our sins would really be removed, really taken away, and the penalty of death gone forever. And we need to go to his throne and we need to bow to him as our Lord. He calls the shots and we become his disciples. So I love the shepherds. They're this beautiful example of trust, believe, and verify. And God's inviting you to do that. And he's pleased with these shepherds for doing so. 
And he welcomes your investigation into the facts of the gospel, the good news. And then there's something else that, uh, that, is, that is good for us to notice, and we'll wrap up with this. In verse 17, when they saw it, the shepherds made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them, right? And so um, there's this confluence of, of news that's being shared. The angels come, and they've got this great commission. Can you imagine can you imagine what the angels felt when that day finally arrived in heaven and eternity and, and, and God says, okay, this is the day. I want you to go and you're going to announce to the shepherds that finally my son, my savior, my Christ, my Lord is born this day. And the angels get to go and they get to announce this good news and they sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. Good news. And I want you to imagine how the shepherds must have felt to have this incredibly good news that is, is full of great joy that will be for all the people. And they get to go, and they go and they spread the word about you know, everything that they saw concerning this child. And I want you to imagine, what would it feel like for you? Maybe, maybe if um, last week, what would it have felt like if you, if you have a place where you work and your boss called you in and said, all right, I want you to go and announce to the entire office, to the entire division, or everybody that you work with, that we are giving a, a 10% Christmas bonus at the end of this year, and we're giving 20% raises for 2019. You would go, that's awesome. I would love to tell the, 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 the whole you know, staff all about that. You know, or maybe you're at school and uh, you know, you're on the faculty, or maybe you're a student, and you get to tell all the class about how the wonderful staff at our school has given us an extra month of Christmas vacation. We don't have to go back to school until Valentine's Day. Not bad. That would be good news to share. You'd be excited to share that. The gospel is good news. When's the last time you, you shared the good news of a Savior who forgives sins, of a, of a Christ who heals the broken, of a Lord who's come down to love us. When's the last time those, those words, anything along that storyline has been uttered by you? Hopefully, hopefully it hasn't been too long, but I'll tell you what makes it hard for me to share sometimes. When I stop believing. when I forget to believe, when I get consumed with other things, when other news becomes more important to me than, than this news, then I, I go silent. And when I realize that, that's the call, the Holy Spirit saying, come back and believe again. Believe anew, repent anew, come back and rejoice again at the good news. And to the degree that you and I are rejoicing and knowing and experiencing the goodness of this good news, then, then of course we're going to tell others. And you can tell your friends, and you can tell your family, and you can tell your classmates, and you can tell your workmates, and you can tell your neighbors, and you can tell you know, the folks that you meet in the grocery store checkout line, and you can tell uh, strangers, and you can even tell enemies. You can tell everybody. But one thing that I do want to tell you to tell, one, one group of people I want to encourage you to tell and it's why we struggle so much to share this good news is because we feel out of practice. We feel like we're going to stumble over these words. We don't know what to say. 
because we think that the good news is only for those who haven't heard it yet. The good news is for everybody. The good news is for us. So start, if, you, if you're not in this practice already, start telling your friends. Start telling your family. Start telling believers the good news. They already believe it. You don't have to worry that they're going to reject you. They don't have to worry they're going to disagree with you. You don't have to worry they're going to push back. They already agree with you. But we need to remind each other. And we need to practice with one another. And we need to proclaim the good news of a Savior who forgives my sins. Would you forgive my sins too? Or I forgive your sins, God forgave my sins. Or we have a Christ who's promised to heal what is broken. And I know things are a wreck right now. And I know there's tears. And I know there's heartache. But, but he is the Lord's anointed. He has, bring, he has promised to bring good news. He has done good things for us. And he will continue to heal what is broken. Let's hope in him. Let's rejoice in him, the Lord who, who, who came down to us. Let's tell good news to each other. Let me pray. Father, would you uh, remind us of the goodness of this news? Would you remind us of the call to proclaim this good news, to go with the shepherds, uh, to believe and to verify, and then to go with the shepherds to proclaim what we know to be factual, uh, and what we know to be historic, and what we know to be real, and what we know to be life-transforming. And so we pray uh, for all of us that you would grow our faith, uh, not blindly, but, but based on what is true. Uh, and Lord, that for even those who, who perhaps did not believe at all before, um, before this morning, if you were softening their, their hearts and bending their minds, Lord, would you uh, give them the grace of repentance and faith? And Help them to believe what is true about Jesus, that they may have new life in him, that they may rejoice that this is, this is good news intended for them, indeed, uh, for all the people. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for reminding us that this is about uh, real people, real places, uh, real historical things that happen. And so, Lord, don't let us forget how good this is, we pray in Jesus' name.